Hey everyone, welcome to episode 125 of 15 with Andy, with Randy, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and Jeff. I feel so welcome. <laughs> it is a good day to be here, and I am excited to welcome back our third namesake back to the show. <laughs> we've missed you. It's been well, a long time since we've actually said Jeff and then got a response not, from Jeff. <laughs> yeah, you were laying out a bunch uh, before the heart was, attack, and then you were gone for that, supposedly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why that was. Uh, it's also good to be back here in our little corner of the FHC complex with microphones and audio board and actual people to talk to. The lobby episode last week was fun, but close to home is always better. <laughs> so last week, I decided that we needed to make the journey from me to we, and that you have been gifted to give, to share unselfishly, without a hunger for credit, that which you have freely received. Broken people ministering to each other, humbly learning from God through each other. I don't know if you really want to go back and listen to last week's episode of the podcast as much as I would go back and watch the message from Dr. Ernie Bercy. The backpack was a unique way to bring the point home. So if you're wondering what that's all about, go back. You can swipe up in iTunes or hospitalchurch.org slash podcast, and the links to that message are there. All right. On to this week. This was the final installment of our series, The Church. Correct. It's future. That sounds daunting, Andy. (laughs) I mean, the synopsis of the message was, what will the body of Christ look like in the future? Are the determining factors for faithfulness to the gospel, large attendance numbers, denominational purity, or a particular belief system? Or will followers of Jesus be known as those who have embraced his call to die to their wants, deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him? All right, so after reading... That little that little brief outline, and without having read or watched the actual message itself, you might be thinking to yourself or have been led to believe that the thoughts to follow would have maybe contained a 25-minute feel-good guide to church. <laughs> a best of practices, sharing of dreams, a rallying cry to reach the world with the gospel, unencumbered by anything but the guiding words of Jesus. Of course, there's always a button there somewhere, <laughs> and this week's but was in all caps. So, briefly... What is the annual council of the General Conference Executive <laughs> Committee? Just briefly, what is that? Well, let's, I mean, I mean, we first have to realize that the church is always going to go through because it's Christ's church, not ours. <laughs> the, the global body of Christ. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, every year, the leadership of our unions around the world come together at the General Conference for a, an annual council to sort of be the representatives of the church on an annual basis between General Conference sessions. Okay. So they were voting this year the big thing. I'm sure they voted on other things, but they voted on an addition of a new level of governance for the church that would address entities within the world church not in compliance. Was this needed? Why or why not? Mm. Jeff, oh, man. You you've been gone a while. <laughs> <laughs> Whose name do we want to put with this one? <laughs> um, I do think that it it was actually more of a response than it was an I didn't think it was needed, and that's my personal, because two years ago at the triennial session, the general conference triennial session, there was uh, another vote taken at that time, and this is, I think, more of a response it's to a, that. It's a quadrennial session. What's what? It's a, a quadrennial. quadrennial. Oh, quadrennial. Yeah. That's right, because it wasn't triennial. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look up both of those terms in the dictionary if you're not exactly sure either way, how many years that e- is. Either way, I, there was a a vote taken at that point, and I don't want to confuse this whole thing, but I think it was basically saying that there were there were we all divisions. Had to, we had to and, all walk and march step. 
Yeah, I was the idea that... the motion on the floor at the general conference was that we would allow each division to do that which was best for that division and that regarding women's ordination. Sure. And, and whether or not we could actually do that, and they voted it down. No, you could not. One division couldn't do something that was out of step with another with division. Another. Yeah. Okay. Which is fascinating. When you think about Seventh-day Adventists and the Sabbath... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we all agree that the Sabbath is the Sabbath and we ought to honor the Sabbath. But boy, how you honor it and how I honor it oh, and yeah. how Jeff honors it is really different. And, uh, <laughs> and that Jeff guy. That's true. I, well, I love that analogy in your message because yeah. I really felt like nothing – I mean, you've been watching all this unfold on social right. media, within your own circles, if you're an Adventist or if you know an Adventist and you, you may have been in like this whole process – but just the way people have even tried to understand what this is about or what they believe is actually happening, whether it's true or false behind the scenes, that's why I'm asking because I think there is so much misinformation about what we're actually talking about. And why does it matter if well, if someone – if some place that we never physically go to or most of us don't ever physically go to, does it affect us? So is it really a yes or a no? Well, I think we should have all seen this coming. You know, oh, sure. I, I think that the conferences and the divisions that actually want to see this conformity, and I'm going to call it that, the ones that want to have all of that and the, a uniform understanding, those are all in a, what used to be what we would call the mission field. And what we did is we created this mindset of you all have to do it like we do it. Yeah. And yeah. we're sort of getting what we reaped. Yeah, we, 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 we sowed sow this. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, I thought it was interesting because, Andy, you brought this out in your message, the NAD paragraph, and you brought out one paragraph mm-hmm. from that official from statement. statement. And I have seen this from every social media platform that I'm on. And again, we have people on both sides of this issue. But I just wanted to read what that statement said because I think in a way <laughs> it answers a lot to what we're talking about, but also who's doing the talking. And this is from the North American division. This isn't from the GC, correct? Right. So it said, we believe that this voted document, which outlines a system of governance to address church entities perceived not in compliance with the church policy, does not follow the biblical values proclaimed by the Protestant reformers and the founders of the Adventist church. This document, as voted, has made centralized power possible and seeks to create a hierarchy. Who? Hierarchical? (laughs) Thank you, sister. That's it. That wasn't coming out of governments. (laughs) To be clear, this is a portion of the NAD's response to the General Conference, not the GC clarifying no, anything or no, admitting that they believe this. But, that's actually but, a part of it. But that's this, a is part a of huge, it yeah. this is a huge issue. I forget the exact issues back, oh my, back in the 90s, back before some of you listeners were born, um, <laughs> where we were very careful in a court issue that came up in a case to establish the fact that we are not a hierarchical form of government. Okay. With hierarchical form of government, everything would be ascending liability, and it becomes a much more problematic system of governance. Sure. We've sort of been pleased with ourselves denominationally that the Bible is our only creed and that we are not a hierarchical form of government. We are a representative form of government. And yet now this new compliance structure, whether it's intended to or not, certainly appears to be and is laid out to act as a very hierarchical. I mean, if you're out of compliance, your opportunity is to appeal to those who said you're out of compliance. (laughs) It's like, well, how's how's that going to help anything? So the system 
in my opinion, just won't work anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's... I don't know how it's going to even work now. It we, won't. We didn't know how it was going to work when it got voted the beginning at the sure. quadrennial session. Uh, we didn't know how it was going to work then. And even now, I, because there are still, I would call them safeguards, there are still p- things in place within our structure and within our system that make this, even the compliance group. And I know there's a lot of you listeners that are listening in right so now. What, that probably, world, what are you cares? talking about? So, it's actually a quinquennial. um so uh (laughs) i stand corrected again there's a hat trick in here somewhere (laughs) but i don't know where this all plays out and and to be honest with you at this point as we look at the church as we go back to the topic at hand i really do think that it's important for us to see this as it is but then move on and say the church still right. is going okay. to move forward. I think also to, to put the organization. And by the way, I don't mean to cut no, you okay. off. This yeah, isn't the church. Yeah. Right. This is an organization, as Andy had mentioned this actually in his sermon, this is a denominational organization. Correct. You can't Which call is it the church. part of, and the people who are in that organization are part of the global body of Christ. Right. right. Yeah. We understand. But it is an organizational structure that hangs between the true church, the global body of Christ, and its expression, which is a local congregation of believers. Yeah. Right. And, and all that stuff in the middle has value and is set up to enable, enhance, and enrich the local congregation. Mm-hmm. And when it stops doing that, it, it's, it has lost its effectiveness. Because okay. that's, that's its whole purpose, is to push the gospel of the world through local congregations of believers. Yep. Okay, local local conversations, that's where we were headed to, local conversations oh. and local congregations. <laughs> so a lot of people are wondering, okay, like Jeff, you said, we know what's here now and it's going to affect us maybe, maybe not. I mean, we don't know, but we have to move on at least as a local community sure. yes. and do our part within our walls and outside of our walls here at the hospital church. Until they fire us. Until they, <laughs> until they tell you that your key doesn't work anymore. So why did our church board at the hospital church feel that it was necessary to meet and adopt an official position as you well, laid out in your sermon? They were already meeting. Oh, okay. <laughs> the meeting no, was it wasn't happened. a special meeting. It wasn't a special meeting. Okay. And so I just felt like that I could make a statement. I wrote the statement okay. and brought it to the board. And I thought I could write a statement, but that then it's just Andy McDonald's opinion. Sure. And and that has a weight with the three people that believe me. Uh, but, but if our church board made a statement, yeah. I hoped that it would empower and be a, an example to other church boards that it's okay for them to speak out as well. Okay. To make a statement, to take a position. And not in a some combative manner. It's just simply saying, hey, we're supportive of, and I don't know if you plan to read it or not, but that, that it's, it's there. And because for me, one of the biggest issues about this whole compliance issue and the purposes it's intended to, to thwart sure. is a dishonoring of constituents of conferences and unions. Right. So the, the people who are part of the conference or part of the union who decided that they would go ahead and ordain women we're dissing their authority representatively in that region or that area. Sure. They're saying this is what's best for our church and our community and our nation at our time for the furtherance of the gospel. Yeah. And to diss that is a real problem. We have to respect local church governance 
and the next step up would be conference. The next step would be union. Yeah. It, it's a long way to, to another union mm-hmm. in another part of the world. Well, I think it's um, tough enough even in our local church community sometimes, as diverse as we are sure. here, mm-hmm. that you have a lot of things that someone might say, man, I wish we did this differently or I wish we did that differently. And, but And we have to respect that diversity. And, and respect it, but then... Goodness, when you start talking about from the general conference level, mm-hmm. where you're in, and that now you're talking about someone on the other side of the world whose traditions and whose culture very are different. so very different, it's hard to say because this wouldn't be okay here. You guys over here need to stop. Sure. That, that, I think that's really, really hard. Well, the pushback is going to come because everybody fears, you know, rogue decision making on the part of, you know, a few, which is what we fear about the the decision-making on the part of a few. But they fear, like, maybe, well, what would happen if we decided to let one division make up its own mind as it relates to something that would be a theologically incorrect or theologically adverse to what the whole church yeah. feels? And but, these are all the... But wouldn't there size. be at that point... I mean, that's an argument I've been reading a lot yeah. about. Wouldn't that be something, though, like if someone just said, hey, you know what, we're just going to go right for the throat and say the Sabbath. I don't know about yeah, all this, right. guys. At that point, don't well, isn't it's not, as, it's not a because the, these aren't theological issues. They, yeah. We've already agreed. There's nothing. In the, oh, you know, right, the ones yeah. we're talking about. Right. But I mean, if someone were to bring that up or go for something right. that big, sure. wouldn't that be like, hey, guys, you as a union, we are removing you guys, or we're removing your leadership because then there's no point for you to be a part of this organization at that point if you don't believe in the right. Sabbath. Because well, we live in a very suspicious time, yeah, um, where people are accusing other groups of people and and saying things about people in generalities, all those people are this way, yeah. or there's this... Or villainizing. Villainizing yeah. things. Yeah. I, have, I have not read it, so I'm speaking in second hand, but a friend of mine said, did you read Tom Lemon's report? And uh, he was part of the GC, and he went out to look around, to search out and see where the rebellion is in the church. And he came back, and his report basically was, well, I looked all over the place, and I didn't I find any find sense it. of rebellion. I didn't really find you any, know? Yeah. A bunch of good people wanting to do good work to further God's kingdom. And so this whole suspicion of rebellion and trying to be subversive and yep. do bad things to church is partially culturally grounded in just the insanity that's going on in our world in general. And we have to realize, wait a second, if we go and investigate and we say, there's not a bunch of really, you know what, can't we believe that these are, we're all just a bunch of people trying to do our best and advance God's kingdom and let Jesus be Lord. And yeah. you know, we, we may make some mistakes along the way, but yeah. Sure, sure. I, yeah, that seems fairly logical, actually. I don't know. Well, and I do think the measuring, and Andy said these aren't theological. I'm not sure if that's really the, the measuring stick even because people can argue about whether it's, <laughs> but if it truly people is. Can argue? <laughs> yeah. But if it truly is in my corner of the world, I'm trying to help others find Christ. Yeah. If that really is what we're doing and that and I'm not trying to boost my own, you know, it's not about me, it's not about, you know, lots of different motivations for these sure. things. But if it's truly to make an impact on somebody's life so that they can find who they're seeking in terms of God. Might love people into a lifelong friendship with God. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, there man. you go. <laughs> so I think that part is more of a piece that we need to be looking at. Excellent. And we cannot allow any one region of the world to block that work in another yeah, region. Yeah, yeah. The, it, it, we, we need to allow each other the freedom to recognize we all live in different parts of the world doing things in different ways that are appropriate or inappropriate in that culture. Because our culture might not like something or might like something, either, either direction, 
we can't impose that somewhere else to block the, the kingdom of God from growing there. Yeah. Even in a community like Orlando, sure. look at how many different churches there are that really have unique I don't think it's by design or someone said, man, I think yeah. I want to be this kind of a church or I want to be this kind of a church. They're different flavors. It's just the people that come there mm-hmm. that see things probably a lot the same. They feel at home there. So if they are, like you said, you know, how we keep the Sabbath, if you're a don't go in the water up to your, past your ankles on Sabbath <laughs> and that's the group you hang out with and you guys find some kind of peace and you find Christ through that <laughs> – Hallelujah. But if you're the, hey, we're going to have a beach day at our church and we're going to the beach and we're going to swim in the ocean and have fun and play games or whatever, then again, there's no reason for those two to butt heads and then come into some kind of a war over like this is theology that we're throwing down on or saying this bad. Yeah. Yes. It's sad that we, we get in those. That we can get that far down. All right. But there is good news here. There is good news. I mean, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, we do. You better hurry. We're out of, <laughs> we are officially out of time. So we're going to definitely go a little bit long, which I was anticipating. But as controversial as it is, it's just another man made obstacle. So, what's your advice to anyone who has taken this vote to heart and feels either abandoned by the denomination that they've, that they've loved and said, man, this is, this is, no, I can't believe they did this to us? And they're unsure of their place or their even maybe their desire to continue with their affiliation. Or on the opposite side, the person who's relishing on their side winning and finally getting their house in order, so to speak. What's our word of advice for anyone who's just at this on either side that may be too happy or too <laughs> sad that this is all taking place? I personally think it's bringing it back to the anchor point that I made toward the end of the sermon. I think the quotation from Acts of the Apostles where she simply says, Jesus only. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, in these two words, Jesus only, lies all the secret of the of the growth and the health and spirituality of the early church. Page sixty four. That's where she says Acts of the Apostles, and that's a really, that's a pretty all encompassing quotation. Jesus only in those two words lie all the secret of the early church's strength and health and all that kind of thing. So I really think in the same thing as we go forward, wherever you land on this whole issue and whether you you know think we're straightening things out or making things worse, is to really say, wait a second, can I find a group of people with whom I can agree Jesus only? Everything's anchored in him. He's our focus. Yeah. Uh, he's the way we run our race, our eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith from the first to the last. I mean, he's everything. And if we can keep coming back to that, the church will disappoint you. Yeah. The people of the church will, will definitely, definitely disappoint, disappoint you. you. And the organization. And, and organization. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just human people. Yeah. Sure. But Jesus will never disappoint. Right. Yeah. And so that's why if we can keep going back and anchoring our lives into Jesus Christ and making him central, then we can bring some sanity out of the insanity. Yeah. Not to just dwell too long on it. Let's just, <laughs> like you said, let's just move on and, and continue. You quoted Carrie, and I'm going to screw up the last yeah, name. Yeah, Wolf. Know? Wolf. Okay. Based on the idea of mission saying methods and models and policy aren't paramount to the success of your mission, your mission is. Yeah. The future is bright here for the body of Christ at the hospital church. Look at the last couple of weeks. We have seen fundraisers for the Harnage family mm-hmm. and support for Team Sparkle, for... All these justice ministries projects. Carla and Yay family. Uh, Car- yeah, Carla from outside in continuously. Yeah. So, I mean, those are the things that I think we're doing that are just showing the true love of Christ. And it shows to our community and people looking in from the outside, even though we try to get outside. <laughs> and some of these are doing just exactly that by their very nature. It really should show us that there is hope and something to be happy for and to be 
a part of this community. Sure. There's good stuff happening. And, and so yeah. we, we can focus on the bickering within our own walls, uh, sure. denominationally or locally or whatever, or we can focus on loving people. Yeah. And I think the, the story of the Good Samaritan is a really good story from the standpoint. I really do think we villainized even those <laughs> who passed him by. They were just sure. normal people, but they were, a, I think they were a symptom of organizational sure. understanding. Yeah. And the person who saw, went through all of that, he went past the whole ethnic issues and the, you know, to just who's my neighbor and just truly be Christ to the people that are, hmm. that are struggling and needing help. Excellent. All right. This week, one of our FHC takeaways asked, how much latitude should individuals or organizations within a denomination have with regards to application of policy? Now, I know we just went through all of this, but this week, the FHC board statement on the annual council decision to vote on and pass a new governance structure and to stand with the unions who are in the crosshairs of that new governance structure, I wanted to give you a chance to respond to this takeaway directly. So you can remain anonymous if you'd like, and we will definitely read any responses in agreement or against on next week's podcast. Also, if your feelings on the subject are best directed at staff, please do so. I'm sure they would listen to you Jeff's as well. email. Yeah. Just <laughs> so if you, I can take it now. I've passed the stress test. Passed the stress. All right. Well, there you go. There's an open invitation. So please leave a voicemail. Send a text to 407-965-1607 or podcast at hospitalchurch.org. Final thoughts are from Andy's message. He said, when we recognize that it is Jesus' church, it is Christ's body, then the first thing we know about the future of the church is that it will endure. All the powers of hell can't stop it. Jesus wins. So even though there was a portion of the message that it could effectively weaken your resolve as a body of Christ, these preceding words is our recognition and remembering that in the end, Jesus wins. It should be our perspective each day as we collectively engage our world as the church or the body of Christ. All right, new series this week. Give thanks to the Lord. The whole month. We're going to give month? thanks to the month, Lord the whole month for different reasons. We're going to look at each different categories of reasons that we would give thanks to the Lord. For okay. what? We give thanks to him for his acts, his the things he does. We're going to give thanks for his righteousness, a variety of things for the whole month of November, Thanksgiving month. Thanksgiving month. God's wonderful deeds this week. So you're absolutely not yep. going to want to miss that because I'm kind of like God's wonderful deeds personally. <laughs> so that is going to do it for this week. Thank you as always to Andy and Tom. And of course, it finally feels like home again, having Jeff back. So thanks for joining Good us. Good to be here. And don't forget next week, Wednesday, episode 126. Thanks for listening and have a great week.